Welcome back to another Isolation Cast Voices from Quarantine. It's been a crazy couple of weeks for everyone. There's no end in sight. Uh, the president this week decided that April 30th is a good time, but, you know, we're not really sure. So we're hoping everybody stays indoors and we're hoping we can keep everyone company with some laughs, some cringes, and just some good conversation. Uh, so I had... Uh, one of our really awesome students from the University of Florida reach out. And so I wanted to bring him on the show today to kind of give the perspective of what's happening to American students, but also talk about being a young artist and kind of what he's seeing in his future. So uh, welcome to the show, Daniel Nunez. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on here. I'm really happy to be here. Happy to be on the show. I'm so happy you reached out to me. Uh, So why don't you tell the audience just a little about like who you are? Uh, and a little bit about yourself. Hey guys, I am a part-time student and full-time party animal. <laughs> uh, yeah, student at UF University of Florida. I started telling jokes, and before I could actually post anything, uh, the coronavirus happened, and then I couldn't put out any more work. Great. Well, yeah, it's it's it, this has been a weird time that's affected kind of everyone. And so, um, yeah, how has this affected like being a student? Because I know like you're just coming, you're just getting used to like not having to live with mom and dad and like being <laughs> to live on, you know, you know, you're living with people and you're you're forming this community and forming friendships that aren't your like high school friendships. How did this thing affect kind of your flow of your first year at university? Well, I didn't really start to get used to being on my own or being a student, the student life, right until like the very end. Uh, So just, it was getting used to it. You're good, you're good. And then bam, everything just shut down. So I'm back with mom. I'm back with my little brother. And um, it feels like, it feels like the plot of a weird movie. It's like 17 Mm -hmm. again and The Purge. Like, everything's illegal, but also I have no responsibilities anymore. It's kind of what it feels oh my like. God. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That's It's one of those things that, like, we've had this weird dystopian obsession in media for, like, the last 10 years. And now we're, like, into the epilogue. You know, we're in the prologue of a dystopian novel. And it's really strange because we're still insisting that, like, we need to keep life as normal. But, like, I went and had to stand in line for 45 minutes to wait to get into Target the other day because I needed Lysol and, (laughs) like, bread. And so, you know, it's one of those weird things that, like, while they can still encourage for everything to like be normal, it's there's just not a normal right now. And that's not a bad thing, but like, I think we're all still getting used to it. Um, and so I, when you and I first met, you were working crew for my thesis production of we are proud to present I love uh, that show. much longer title. I'm not going to bore everyone with it. I love that show too. <laughs> um, one of the things that impressed me, and that's why I didn't know that you were a freshman was you, you felt comfortable in the room with people you didn't know and like you were just kind of snapping off jokes while we were all waiting to go <laughs> you and one of the other guys joe were just really comfortable when we had you all like ad-libbing coming in because we put the stage crew to work um or like as actor uh, like actors in the scene and the pre-show and so i was just really impressed with kind of how 
comfortable you were in the room uh, and just kind of snapping off jokes. So I know you you said before we were uh, we were talking and you said your only class that's still going is your stand up comedy class, which I find in itself kind of a joke <laughs> that like your only online class right now is a stand up comedy class. Yeah. Um, but can you can you talk about like your your background with like how comedy started for you and and how this idea of like telling jokes through a room or working on stand up started? Yeah, for sure. Um, the first time that I was on stage, it was at a place called Jesse's Lounge over in Winter Haven. Uh, shout out to Jesse's Lounge. The first time I told stand up, it just didn't really hit well with the audience. I didn't really know my audience very well, and that, but that that kind of failure. Even though I got like uh, sympathetic laughs, you know, that was that was still something oh. that kept me going. Oh. The people who liked the jokes, they had tattoos. They were covered in tattoos, piercings, like the bar. People behind the bar, they're like, whoa, that was like sick. Because it was just dark humor. It was just really dark, twisted humor. And Winter Haven is a very kind of salt life area, if that makes sense. So I took that and I just kind of learned. And I I wanted to be myself, be authentic on stage and off stage. But yeah, it was just such a great way and such a great outlet for me. I actually wrote about that experience uh, in my college application essay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how I got in. I, I talked about everything down to the, the cigarette smoke in the air and, like, and the coolness and the stillness of the air. Um, I've, yeah, I remember that, that first time on, on stage like it was yesterday. Well, I, th- I think it's always – there's always that – saying of however you want to use it that you always remember your first time and I think a lot of artists and performers always connect to that moment where they went oh this is when I knew what I wanted to do or this is when I found for me more importantly this is the moment I found the passion and the fire so like you had that moment that could have been utter just utter defeat for someone or a feel of utter failure but you kind of took that in that's what you're using is like your fire to keep going forward, which I just think is commendable and great. And, uh, you know, got you into a top seven university. Now they keep <laughs> calling us the top seven university. I've been here three years. I want to know what exactly is top seven. Uh, unless it's how the big boys throw the book, the footballs. Maybe that's how we're top seven. I don't know. Um, no, 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 no shame to university of Florida. Go Gators. <laughs> Gator Nation. Uh, <laughs> um, but so you're a BFA actor, acting student at the University of Florida. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you approach, you know, combining comedy and theater because you're, you know, you're learning the techniques, you're learning the basics and things mm-hmm. about how, how is that like studying something in a very formalized training of being an artist also apply to like how you look at furthering yourself as a comedian? I would definitely say that I've been I've been kind of learning in a kind of weirder way. Uh, I've been mostly just doing my own thing. I, I, I think that's just what I just do is I just do my own thing. At first, I didn't know if a university would be right for me. But now I'm just I'm very thankful that I have kind of like this a place to make mistakes, to keep making mistakes mm-hmm. and just become a person before I become an artist. Uh, I think... Uh, just getting in touch with my baseline, like this is who I am, mm-hmm. and um, 
this is how I should react to these like certain situations. Like that's where the real learning can begin. If that makes any sense, like being around yeah, people. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, you brought up a really good point of that, especially because actors and you know just being at a university that requires the kind of stringent academic standards that uf does there's so much pressure put on everyone that they don't want to fail but you brought it up where like especially in the acting classroom and learning techniques and things the classroom is the best place to fail it's the safest place to fail and i love the idea of academic theater and people put a little bit too much pressure on themselves and put a little too much clout in behind oh that i'm an actor i'm a bfa i'm studying to be to be a fine artist but really you are in a place for four years where it is safe and encouraged to fuck up you are encouraged yeah. to fail because even if it's a main stage or even if it's something that you put a lot of like hope and effort into, you can fall flat on your face and this is the place that it's safe to so that you know how to like rally yourself and like you learn what works, you learn what doesn't and you learn what works for you as an artist in a place where it's safe to do that. And that's honestly why a lot of people, if you can get past the the kind of the nonsense of the academic expectations of universities, uh, the an academic theater situation is good to be in because also you're getting the fundamentals and I don't care what anybody says that even if you don't use them on a daily basis the fundamentals of performance and acting are so applicable in so many career paths that once you have those fundamentals and you know the rules you can break all of the rules you can throw all the rules out but it's really important to know exactly. those rules first um, and so it's, I you think you have it's, to have that strong foundation and I think it's really important that you know that now because a lot of people like even in my undergrad I and I was an older student I didn't really think about it until like my junior or senior year when I was like oh I've been able to fail these many times and like still give myself an alleviation of pressure because while it's important to learn about deadlines and know how to stick to them and know how to like put a production together and do it professionally, you're, there aren't millions of dollars based on if, you know, if your failed decision in period styles, you know, doesn't go, you know, doesn't go according to plan. Um, and I think it's really, I just think it's really good that you know that now. So, but like, it's weird that you've gone home, that you had to like go home and, and, you know, and, suddenly have a lot of free time um so have you been like doing anything during this time and oh yeah yeah i've been yeah i've been like uh sorry i've been super busy uh what what i realized is uh when i'm gonna be a professional actor uh what am i gonna do like half the time as any professional actor you're gonna be out of a job and that's what I am right now. I am really, we all are, we are, we are all out of a job. So mm-hmm. I've just, I'm not wasting any second because time is valuable and I'm, I'm putting the work in, I'm writing every, I'm writing things. I'm doing online theater with my fellow BFA actors, which has been really fun. We just did Shakespeare in love the other day and that was so fun to do with them. Uh, but we, I want to keep my acting tools sharp. I want to make sure mm-hmm. I'm still on my game mm-hmm. that way. Um, especially just even as a stand-up comedian or an aspiring one, I have material to record and put out and maybe even do some tours after a few open nights or mm-hmm. open mics. And I want to perform at clubs and perform for people, things like that. Well, and that's great. 
Well, that's great, honestly, because like so many comedians now are actually getting their break because someone's finding their YouTube video or, you know, there are all those things. So honestly, this isn't the worst thing that could happen for everybody. Also, like every actor is going to have the most amazing self-tape technique ever after this. Everyone's going <laughs> to know like how to work in front of a camera and they're going to have really great reps because they've been taking this time to read so much. So it's actually not the worst thing. And I'm glad you're you're taking that opportunity. Um, yeah, this is also, a crazy time. It's because we're not going to get this time when we mm-mm, mm-mm. ever again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and also this is that I also want people to not feel that there's a pressure to have to create and have to do things like this is the one time in your life where you're going to be able to go, you know what? I woke up today. I don't feel like I can muster enough to put something together. So it's okay that I I can't or I, I don't have to. And I think that's a really important thing right now for a lot of artists, especially um, because there's a huge move of like a lot of professionals are constantly putting things together. They're podcasting, they're live casting, they're doing things that like normally no one would have time for. But I, I also think it's important that people don't feel the stress to create I want them to feel moved to create and don't feel like you have to if you're not feeling up to it. Yeah. If you force it, that's you're just hurting yourself because you need to consistently do these things and, Mm -hmm. you know, practice that. That's one Mm -hmm. thing. Even if it's just a sentence, don't force yourself to make a whole set. Don't force yourself to write an entire play. Don't force yourself to uh, like lose thirty pounds. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's it's. You need to be comfortable and happy doing what you want to do, and I feel like that's also why people just can't be consistent in their their craft. Yeah. If you are not a hundred percent passionate, then you know that that just shows. And you, if you need to do things that make you truly happy, that truly lets you express yourself. And that's also another thing that's just hard for people to find out. But we have all this time now to just explore, to make, again, make mistakes in our own homes, in the comfort of our couches. Yeah. This is, this is also that time to like pack in things that like, uh, a lot of my friends who have all recently graduated from university or or whatnot, we have a digital play club because they're like, there are all these plays that I know I should have read, but like I didn't have time to read them. So now we're reading like two a week and then meeting twice, you know, at like we're Skyping together and then discussing these plays in a way that we would have been able to in a classroom or been able to hanging out, getting drunk in someone's living room. But like when you're a working artist or when you're working that day job because, you know, you're a playwright or a dramaturg or a director and it's much harder to find work that you know it's these are those moments to like catch up on that canon that you've been missing out on or like it's I think it's great that you all as the BFAs are like still getting together and reading stuff together because at the end of the day you're going to be able to reference that you're going to have rep you're going to find that one monologue that works but it's also just still going to keep the chops of discussing theater and discussing art and like I'm having more conversations with people that I haven't chatted with in years because everybody's so engaged in like everything they're taking in right now, which I think is wonderful. Um, But, you know, transitioning from the idea of like creating, is there anything that you're just finding absolute joy in right now or solace or something that's just like helping you get through and like, feel a little less shitty about everything? Wow. Um, 
there's so many different little things that I can talk about. I love novelty. I love discovering something new. Uh, I love newness. So just I don't know, from Tiger King, which is all over the news besides like coronavirus. All over the news. <laughs> I, Tiger King is insane. And if you like Tiger King, by the way, there's another documentary. I don't know if you have HBO. It's called uh, The McMillions. That's it's another type of documentary that's just it, it just it it cannot be real. You watch it oh, and you go, how that. is that real? It is insane. You're like the you're like the third person this week that's recommended that to me, so I'm gonna need to like watch that this weekend, I think. I've I've started putting together like my playlist for the weekends and making sure that I'm not like streaming too much during the week so that I can still like keep my like I have to work on, you know, my thing so I can graduate. I need to make sure I'm grading and yeah. doing my lesson plans and stuff. But uh, so I've just been packing stuff into the weekend. So that is on the top of my list for this coming weekend. It's really smart having a routine. Yeah, no. Um, once you start, you you just you won't be able to stop until it's solved. It's oh my god, yeah. I can't, I can't wait. Well, and that's the thing is like, yeah, literally, I was sharing so many Tiger King memes today. Like, and like, it's so wild that even Lisa Frank has done an official piece of Lisa Frank art of Joe Exotic with a tiger. Like, it is, it's so wild to me, but also what's more wild, after watching it, none of them are good people. Have you finished the series? None of them. I'm on, like, episode five, I think, but... Okay, okay. So I you just, got, like, two left. From the very start, they're all... <laughs> They're all, They're all awful, people. except the, the staffs of the staffs of the of of Joe's sanctuary. They're good people. They're just a little lost, a little you know. They're disenfr- you know, just tr- downtrodden, disenfranchised. But it's one of those things that people are like, "We need to free Joe." And I was like, "Why, y'all? He is not a good man. He <laughs> is a he is a predator. Like those like the two men, the like poor straight men that he like tricked into marrying with tigers and meth, like." Yeah, that Yo, was that's really just, tough to see unfold. Yeah. Uh, well, and then poor, poor you know, Travis and, and everything. But, like, you know, it's one of those things that it's, I think, it's going to be interesting, the conversations as that, like, the popularity of it wanes. And we can actually take a step back and go, okay, let's unpack what we're watching here and why it took so long for all these things to happen. And, like why these things have happened, but I definitely want a continuing series because it's still ongoing and like there's so much happening, but also like I want a series about Carol's first husband. Cause like he also was not a great dude and like had this weird life and was obsessed. And like, I kind of want a documentary about like all the reasons of like why he could have disappeared and all like the people he works with. Um, and so, like, you know, it's just those it's weird when the Miami drug lord is the most normal person that you actually don't find terrible throughout the whole series yeah. <laughs> that we meet, you know, we meet early on. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I think the entire I think the entire world. Do you think if we all weren't home right now with this much time, do you think people would have been as likely to invest in seven hours of their time into the story of Joe Exotic? Or do you think this would be slower to kind of get speed if we all weren't in our homes right now? Well, I I don't think that as many people would have been watching. Uh, I do think that it would have picked up steam. Because I, 
I feel like it kind of did have a lot of traction beforehand. He was on tonight with John Oliver, so he was already getting like media attention. So I think there was a good chance. Like this is this was a really solid show. You had the perfect storm and just weird characters in, in a weird time. So it was just such a great distraction. It's it's one of those. I don't think Netflix could have dropped it at a better time. Like it's one of those weird like. I saw the meme earlier when they were like, Disney Plus announces Frozen 2 and Netflix says, hold my beer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those that I think, while the story is crazy, I think it's such an interesting aspect of storytelling because whether I realized it or not, the documentarians were carefully crafting my emotions and my response in every episode. And then without me no realizing in the next episode, they would go, okay, we realize you're here. We're going to turn the dial so you start distrusting too. We're going to start showing Joe being a little more erratic and showing a little more of these things happening. And it was one of those that I didn't realize till the end that I was like, oh, they were really careful in the decisions they made in every episode and why it was like, it seemed like, I thought it was going to be like a three or four episode series. And then like episode five started and then episode six. And then it was like, oh, there's a seventh episode. And I went, oh my God, I can't believe this is going to keep going. Like this, it's actually a really interesting look at storytelling and how we can tell an actual story like a documentary in a way that we would tell a piece of fiction and how we would carefully craft how we want to lead someone on a story. And I think that's ultimately something really interesting to take away from it is just how, how they're able to use the storytelling. Yeah. I mean, you can't write anything better than the truth very often. Yeah. I mean, that's so true because literally if we read a piece of fiction based on this, I don't think anyone would believe it. And I think people barely believe it because we're see- there's so much footage of it happening live. and But one of my other guests the other day was like, how did they never turn this into like the police? How did they never turn this into the FBI until something bigger happened? Like, where where is our spot as artists when we go, okay, I understand that we need to make this story, but this is a point where we need to stop and do something about it. Like, that's the thing that gets me is like, granted it all, you know, as, as you'll keep watching it, it does unfold in a specific way. Um, and maybe they knew that and that's why, uh, that's why they didn't, or we don't know that they said anything earlier on. Um, I definitely have to keep watching. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you definitely have to keep watching. But uh, what else? What else is going on in your in kind of your realm of your world that's kind of keeping you grounded right now? Ooh. Um. Just I'm spending a lot of time with my family, which is it's actually pretty fun. You know, we've. Yeah. It's just weird because it's it's a new. I haven't had the chance to actually go up and visit my mom since August. You know, I. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen her since August, since before my freshman year started. And a lot has changed. Uh, I grew a beard to show the passage of time. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, and now we're we're just together and we're just, she's cooking for me again. Home cooked meals. I've missed so much. Oh my goodness. Oh um, uh, yeah, it's because while there are lots of food options on our campus, they're not exactly wonderful. <laughs> and Gainesville is expensive. I mean, college, college towns, just the, the, the standard of living is so high now because of, we have a lot of students who come from money and that we have the professors that are making so much money that are there that like, 
the cost of living is so high that like it's got it's it's hard to be a student in a place like this and miss those creature comforts that we don't realize that are actually a really like solidifying force of like what makes us feel comfortable or put together even even as simple as a home-cooked meal yeah i just i i can't tell you how long it's been since i've washed the dishes or fried an egg I I forgot how to I forgot how to boil and uh, boil pasta or cook pasta. Uh, I was so embarrassed. I had to ask my mom. She was just disappointed. Hey, I mean, you know what though? This is a uh, you know this is what I always say, especially for like male identifying people. Whether you're like straight, gay, however you identify, a lot of times there's not been much focus on like guys learning how to like do their own laundry and clean and cook yes. um, because of the, well, because of being a high school student and being like American education is so strenuous for so many students in order to just pass some tests that they're not getting some of these things or like home ec classes have been cut from high schools. And so like, honestly, this is a really great opportunity for you to like cement those things up because then you can be like cool i'm living you know because there are not that many beds on the uf campus so a lot of our students have to live off campus it's it's a it's a very fact of life for a lot of students and so that's the difference between living in a dorm and living on your own even if you have a ton of roommates there there are those things that you need to confidently be able to know how to do and you're getting that opportunity you know and there is nothing better than learning from your mom like there's just I always thought she was being cruel. My mom, when I was growing up and she'd be like, you need to do laundry. And I was like, but I don't want to. And she's like, I don't care. (laughs) And like, but you know, it's then I went to school, you know, right out of uh, high school. And then I was like, I know how to do my laundry and not ruin my clothes. This is great. Um, Though cut to me for an entire semester. I, we'd, we didn't use fabric softener. We weren't that kind of bougie people. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'm going to get the, the detergent with the bear on it. Not realizing I was washing my clothes with fabric softener for an entire semester oh. and not with uh, a detergent. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was, that was an embarrassing moment. But um, yeah, so family, I think that's what a lot of people are also finding right now is that there is a reconnection to family or the chosen families um, because a lot of people uh, don't have the, you know, the fortune or have the ability to be with family or, you know, be part of a family. So they have a chosen family and they've gotten to spend time with those people that they've gotten quarantined with. And so I think that's, I think that's nice that you're getting to spend time with your, your mom and your brother and, and just do domestic things and spend time doing that. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. Are you no, no, go ahead. no, you yeah, never you mind. Yeah. Uh well <laughs> I was just gonna go on to say like yeah, it was just, the first time I learned how to do laundry was was actually freshman year. Um uh, I don't know all that. Great, yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's let's the everyone's talking about how they can't wait to go back to normal. And while I love that idea, you know, normal wasn't really working for Like, I don't know anybody that the normal day to day was super wonderful for, like just as like middle class, lower middle class Americans, um, especially for anybody that's like not straight and white um, and male, I guess. Mm. Um, And so like, I don't think we should go back to normal. I think we're going to have a new normal out of this. So as a young person, who's going back into a university setting, how do you think this is going to affect 
um, I guess start with how this is going to affect like how we educate and how we do classes and go to school, but also maybe how do you think this is going to change artists, the art, the theater community and how we tell stories after this? Uh, that is an interesting question. I, I think I hope that we just prioritize time. Uh, a lot of things that could be an email, like meetings that can be an email, can stay emails. Conferences, we don't need to meet up in person for conferences. We can easily do a video chat, and every everything is com- you know communicated perfectly. Uh, when it comes to being an artist, I know for stand up, just having an audience is important. So you can't just do shows online, but if it's reading a script, it's hard for people to pick a time and a place to meet. So to say, hey, we're all going to Zoom or do Google Hangouts or you know FaceTime uh, and we're going to read this script. We're going to just cast the rules as we go. Mm-hmm. That can be a really good way to not only get yourself to read these scripts, to, to experience new artists, find screenplays or screenwriters that work for your sense, that work for your taste. You get to work with friends too. And that's, that's the whole fun in this industry. It's finding a group of people that you can just make fun of each other and just hang out and just (laughs) go crazy. Yeah. Well, and it's good because sometimes like whether it's a good thing or not at the end of the day, type in our industry is a real thing. And so like, you might not ever actually get to do a show with your best friends who are artists. Like in school, that's not as much of a case because we bend type and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. you'll have a 19 year old that plays a, you know, a 40 year old or, you know, at the university level, like at UF, we have a graduate and undergraduate. So a lot of our graduates are lots of different age ranges. So, you know, you do have sometimes the age appropriate people in shows, but like, you might not ever get to do shows with all of your friends and getting to do readings of plays that you all really like and getting to do a role that maybe you're not the right type for or something, but because it's just together, it doesn't matter. And so I think this is also a really good opportunity for like people to see what kind of artists their friends are, because I have so many friends that like I've taken classes with and I was like, Oh, they don't do great work in the classroom. Um, And because of that, I've never seen them in a show, but like, we'll do a small project together. And then I'll be like, oh my God, you're a really dynamic artist. You do this (laughs) thing really well, but nobody lets you do this thing. So like, let's figure out how we can get you that work to like do that thing that you're actually really good at because maybe you're not great at scene work or like I'm, I love improv, but like, I'm not always the the best on my toes right away or cold reads for me aren't great. I have to have someone that I need a little time with the work. And so, but there are things that I still love doing, but I think this is an opportunity where we can see what people are really capable of and just see the kind of chops that people have, especially I think for our female identifying friends, because there are always so few roles for women at the end of the day, um, in theater. And so we're getting to see a lot of really cool women do a lot of really cool work together right now. And I think this is, Oh, it's a really interesting thing that again, I hope we don't see go away when, when, and if we can transition back to normal. Yeah. I, I think it's important to, to market yourself and show off, you know, show yourself off to write things for you instead of waiting to be casted or waiting for that opportunity. You have to make your own opportunity sometimes. 
And, I, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to also see people writing a little bit more because, you know, it doesn't even have to be something serious where you sit down to write this great monolith, but like, write. I, you know, I'm somebody, I started journaling two years ago to help with my mental illness and, and things. And like, sometimes I'll find a really good bit in there that I've actually written that I was like, oh, this might actually be good for something. Or like, I don't consider myself a writer. I don't think I'm particularly good at it. But it's one of those things that if I hadn't been writing during these times or journaling even, I'm not sure I could process in the same way. And so whether I don't, I don't want to encourage anybody to think they're going to sit down and write the next great Gatsby or, you know, the next angels in America. But like, if you're tired of not finding the right work for you or your friends or your, you know, you are tired that there aren't, you know, great trans roles or things that like, if you sit down a, you know, a couple minutes a day, an hour a day, and you just start writing your thoughts down, you start writing things down, you never know what's going to happen. Like, I think this is also a good time for people to do things that maybe they weren't going to do before or didn't have time to do before flex in a way on themselves that they, they hadn't before, but like, you never mm -hmm. know what you're going to find. Cause again, no one should feel the pressure to create, but you know, I I'm, I'm looking at everybody out there through my microphone and I know you're like me. I know you buy far too many notebooks and paper and pen supplies that you never use. You have a bunch of journals sitting around because you're like, oh, that cover is real cute. Oh, look at this super spiffy pen that I'm going to buy at Papyrus because, you know, I love myself and I want to waste $12 on a fountain point pen. Uh, you know, sit down, write something, just use those resources you have. Cause like if you've used as much, if you've moved as much as I have, you don't want to move that shit again. <laughs> so like, you know, you're doing it. And I, I, you know, a lot of my friends are doing it. And I want to encourage everyone out there to like, don't put pressure on yourself, but like maybe go sit outside and like a little bit of sun patch away from people because everybody needs to get outside. And write for a half an hour. Like if you don't feel the words coming, don't sit and write. But like, you know, I'm, I'm sure people have always felt that time to like sit down and, and just get something done on paper. And this is a really good time to do it. Yeah. It just, and writing in general, even if it's just journaling, it is extremely cathartic. I was surprised at how much better that I felt when I started just writing mm -hmm. things that happened in my day, even things that I was grateful for, things that people said something and I kind of took it the wrong way. Man, like looking at it down, it's just it is trivial. It's like a little mm -hmm. tiny thing. And I feel like people that is a way to get in touch with yourself again. I feel like mm -hmm. that's why there's so much like mental kind of illnesses and, and, and diseases like depression uh, specifically. And a lot of people are depressed. But a lot of people also don't take the time to just unfurl their feelings, mm -hmm. uh, like just to mm -hmm. recognize, why mm -hmm. am I feeling so sad right now? What are the things that have been affecting me? What am I not dealing with? And if you really take the time to know yourself, not only will you know, your writing skills improve, but your sense of self will improve. You, you, you will feel mm -hmm. a little bit better in just small amounts, just a little bit every day. Yeah. Well, and that's what I found is like, I was, you know, diagnosed by, you know, with, with, uh, X, Y, and Z. We're not going to go into that now. Um, mm -hmm. you know, about 10 years ago and a lot of it was always, you know, being an artist, I didn't always health insurance and I couldn't always go see a therapist. I couldn't see a, I couldn't get psychiatric help. Um, and you know, there were things that I always thought were like kind of voodoo, like hoodoo ish, like, uh, um, things that like, um, it all was a little woo woo for me. And so, you know, I would still internalize those moments and some days I would be crippled 
by like waking up and I'd hurt my own feelings within 10 minutes of being woken, you know, being awake. And then I would realize later that it was like, oh, that wasn't actually your depression. That was just, you were sad. And then you let yourself be sad. And then you let yourself hurt your own feelings for being sad. And then you let that ruin your day. And so I found that like, now that I journal and I meditate, like shout out to Insight Timer. It's a free site, a free app. It is so good to just find ways that meditate for you, even if it's like finding what to focus on in the room. And it it doesn't have to be kind of as woo-woo as we all think it is. But like the moments I started doing those things, I started being able to differentiate like, oh, I am having a manic episode. This is what's going to, you know, these are the feelings before I either have a super high or a super low, or if I know I need to reach out and get help because of something that's going to happen. Or if I'm just sad one day and we all just get sad. And I think there's so many people now that talk about and go, oh my God, I'm sad today. I just need my Starbucks and I just need to like have a me day. I need to get my nails done. And like, yeah, <laughs> that's a thing. Self-care is so important, but we also need to differentiate the difference between like le- the legitimate feelings of depression and anxiety and panic, which are very real. And they are very, you know, we need to unpack and deal with them in the way we deal with them. And, you know, I hope everyone out there is finding ways to get help for the legitimate issues in their life. But then also finding those moments when like, we're just human and our bodies are just feeling away. We are just having a moment of chemical imbalance and we need to kind of rally ourselves to keep moving. And I think that's a, you bring up a really good point and how we're at the point where we have no reason to not differentiate those things and find those moments of difference in ourselves. And I think, um, I'm hoping that this is a really good time for people Because this can also be a really terrible time of if you don't live with people or you're not necessarily close with the people you live with and you're very close off, this can actually be a really hard time for people. And so I think reading through those books that you always wanted to read and like writing down your thoughts a couple times a day, I encourage everyone to try new recipes. This is a good time to learn to cook. Like I have friends out there who I'm not going to look at who are in their thirties who still eat like Tostino's pizza rolls and hot pockets and like diet Coke because they don't cook babies. I love you. This is a really good time to learn how to like cook and like <laughs> have access to those things. Or my young listeners, like this is a really good opportunity. Like you're not in the dorm right now. You're not in your, your shitty college apartment. Like, this is a great time to like sit down with like, especially if you have your extended family uh, around or, you know, I, some of my favorite recipes I learned from my mom like 12 years ago. And so this is a good opportunity to learn those things. If you have that opportunity or just tasty has been sharing so many good videos and food network. There are so many opportunities that like, these are just a really good time to like focus on like, I, you know, I got really sick the other day because I had, I hadn't eaten fast food in three weeks and then suddenly I had two fast food meals and I got sick. And so not saying that the fast food was bad, but it was just my body had gotten used to me eating a little cleaner, uh, just cooking for myself. And even with a larger portion, I, you know, it was just better. And so these are those moments to do those, some good corrections of things and just develop some good habits uh, in place because I have an, a list of bad habits. So, uh. Oh, I was going to say, I think I did. Uh, I lucked out because, you know, my dad's from Pakistan and all the meals are they're, they're They have a lot of flavor and also mm-hmm. they're pretty easy to just throw something in. You know, you don't need a yeah. lot of ingredients for a lot of these dishes. And that's another great thing it's it's a good time to maybe learn how to cook an ethiopian dish maybe i can mm-hmm. bake some injera you know maybe i can 
just explore with what I have uh, and make something new. Because cooking is an art form, too. Yeah, I, I saw a recipe earlier, and I love naan bread. Like, it's one of my favorite. Like, I could literally just I eat a couple pieces of naan and naan. be super happy. Well, I didn't realize how actually easy it is to make, and I saw a great recipe for garlic naan bread. And I was like, oh, shit, I have all but one of these things in my fridge. When I need to go out in a couple days, I'm going to go grab that one thing I need. I think it was yogurt. I don't have yogurt. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to make naan, and it's going to be great, and it's going to keep for a while. And those are just those things of, like, Oh, or like I've been delving into Thai food. And so like when Walmart was shutting down, all of the like shitty prepared foods were all out. But I was like, oh, look, there's a whole end cap of rice noodles that are 75 cents for like eight servings of rice noodles. Oh, my God. Here's the tofu that no one's buying. Oh, my God. Look, there were just uh, crushed peanuts. I was like, oh, great. I can make 14 servings of pad thai for less than $15. And I was like, oh, these are really great things. And like pad thai is a comfort food for me. And so, yeah, that was that opportunity where I went, oh, I'm going to make some things that I never make because I'm rushing to get a meal put together. Um, and I'm going to make those those times. And that's this is a great time for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for so much for reaching out. And I'm so happy that I've had you on the show. If anyone wants to find you online, where can they find you? Ooh, I'm hoping to update this a little little more uh, as soon as everything's over and I can actually post some more stand-up. But I'm on Instagram. Uh, my handle is D-A-N-P-I-O-N-U-N-E-Z. That's Dan P.O. Nunez. That's also my Twitter and my TikTok, which I don't really use. But now I think that's another thing that I can do. I, I can post TikToks now uh, just okay. for fun. Yeah, I just I just downloaded TikTok like two weeks ago and it has been I, I've made like a handful of really shitty videos. It's fine. It's whatever. I'm an old person on TikTok. It's whatever. <laughs> but I've actually really, especially since the quarantine started two weeks ago, I've really been enjoying the content that everybody's putting out. And I think the other day they tweaked the algorithms. And so it's now based on like your interests and like, like uh, what you're liking in things versus like who's the most popular and who's like hashtagging for you page. Cause I, in the last two days, I've been getting a lot of people who have less than a thousand followers, like less, less than a thousand likes on a video, but their content is so good. And I was like, Oh, I'm enjoying this even more than I was, you know, getting the, the e-boys doing their chain challenge. Like what, you know, whatever the, 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 the popular thing is. And I think it's, I actually think it's going to be another really interesting outlook outlet as long as it doesn't go the way of vine and die. Uh, but yeah, what kind of, uh, what kind of content do you post on the, on the TikTok? I have posted two videos, one of which is still on there. The other one was removed. Um, (laughs) (gasps) why I, well, I was the title. It was, it was the title, I think, because it was, it was, yeah. But oh well, I, I think I can still repost it. I can still post it. I just need to change the title. And um, oh, it's so difficult to try and get a cameraman over at my house because my brother just despises TikTok. And every time I ask him, I have a video idea or a TikTok idea. He goes, he just, it's like he ate a whole lemon and he just, you know, just rides me on that. He just pokes fun at me. But I mostly just I do comedy should- stuff, like weird little absurdist comedy like make fun of the sims or like little skits or sketches 
I love that. That's awesome. Well, and that's, I think that's most of, that's what I want to go to TikTok and see. I want to see the funny little things. I, I love seeing people do elaborate, el- way more elaborate things than they need to for like <laughs> 60 seconds of humor. But like, I, I have not laughed out loud like I have since like watching TikTok though. I think what you should do is like start making a trend of like asking your brother, like film film yourself asking your brother to do a TikTok for you, like film a TikTok for you and just like blast him on TikTok. I think that'd be funny. <laughs> That's a really funny idea. I might just do that. He hates being on camera and I, I might just do that. Make fun of him too. Get him back. Oh, that'd be funny. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. And before I let you go, if you had like uh, one like sentence of wisdom or like a little bit of wisdom or thought for the audience of like how they could keep going during this time. What, what would that be? I know this is a, it's a hard question. Oh, well you don't need to, to do anything besides just stay at home and stay safe. Cause what's going to happen over the next few days is exactly what the professionals have been saying. Cases are going to go up. Hospitals are going to get overwhelmed and people are going to start to panic. They're going to freak out, but you just need to stay calm. This is uh, a historical moment and we're all in our homes and we're all together. And there's something, there is something beautiful about that. Even though it's so, it's such a scary time. There is something beautiful about that. We are all together in this in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. Oh, and one last thing. Wash your fucking hands. Wash your hands. Wash your fucking hands. 20 seconds. Thank you for listening to another Isolation Cast Voices from Quarantine. As always, find us on Facebook at Isolation Cast Voices from Quarantine or The Whip in Dreams. Make sure to check that out for what all of our guests are doing and how you can help artists out in your area or around the world. Find us on Twitter at Do Whip Pod. Find us on Instagram at Do Whip in Dreams and even on TikTok at Maddie Lime. Now, go out and find your joy. <laughs>